he had these neurological signs. His head was bobbing and he was just kind of looked like the room was spinning. How a dog was left unable to move after suspicions he may have been poisoned in a Vancouver park. The question is, was it intentional? If this does happen, it will be a gigantic story. The growing signs that the multi-billion dollar LNG project in Kitimat is getting the go-ahead. And urgent meetings in both Washington and Ottawa. Can Canada and the U.S. reach a new NAFTA deal now that the Prime Minister is directly involved? You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, a warning tonight from a Metro Vancouver veterinary clinic after a dog may have been poisoned. Hutch was taken for a walk in a North Vancouver park this weekend. He ended up licking something off a rock that left him convulsing and unable to move. As Tanya Bajan now reports, the question is whether the poisoning was intentional. Staff at the North Burnaby Pet Hospital want pet owners to beware after a suspected dog poisoning Friday afternoon. It's devastating. It's scary that we're living amongst these people in our community, you know, possibly our neighbours that are out to hurt innocent animals. Seven-year-old Hutch, an Australian shepherd, went out for a walk with his owner in North Vancouver's Windsor Park near Lionsgate Christian Academy. 45 minutes later, he suffered a seizure. By Saturday morning, Hutch was immobile. He couldn't walk. He didn't know where his legs were. He just seemed really drunk. He had a really slow heart rate, which is abnormal for him because he is a very anxious dog. I thought, oh, wow, this dog must have eaten something. His owner told veterinary staff Hutch licked something on a rock near the park entrance. From the picture, it looks like a white powdery substance um, smeared with bacon bits, so maybe as an enticer. Two weeks prior, someone posted signs in the same area threatening owners who don't clean up after their dogs. Everybody with a dog is staying away from the park or at least letting everybody know that there's no off-leash plane in the park. Um, and the other big concern is just for the kids. There's a school right here and this park is heavily used by all the kids in the neighborhood. The clinic could not run urine tests to check for the presence of drugs or toxins, but lab work revealed Hutch's organs were unharmed. He recovered after 24 hours with the help of an IV and anti-nausea pills. Staff say the incident is a wake-up call. Watch your dog. Be aware of what they're sniffing, they're licking off the grass. Um, maybe keep them on a leash if you know that they're going to be out wandering in the bushes because, again, you don't know what's in there. North Vancouver RCMP are investigating. Tanya Beja, Global News. Well, on Vancouver Island, Saanich police want to speak with any witnesses to a serious assault. Officers were called to a home on Carey Road in Saanich yesterday. A 41-year-old man was found with life-threatening injuries, also being investigated, a home on Grandison Road in Langford. One person has been taken into custody. Police believing everybody involved in the incident knows each other. Investigators now want to speak with anyone on board a transit bus that was travelling on Kerry Road at about 3.15 yesterday afternoon. It is believed some of the passengers may have seen the attack or people connected to the assault. 
and a separate incident in, in the same area this morning leading to the arrest of two Saanich men. Police say they were responding to a report of a man who forced his way into a home on Paskin Way, who then allegedly assaulted a victim with a weapon and stole items from the house. The investigation led officers to a home on Barrington Road where the emergency response team was called in. There were arrests made. The 32-year-old and 42-year-old now who could possibly face several charges, including assault with a weapon, break and enter and theft. All parties are known to each other. The victim wasn't hurt. In northeastern BC, geotechnical crews are taking a closer look at a landslide that came down overnight near the Site C Dam. The Transportation Ministry describing it as a significant landslide just above Old Fort Road. That's about a kilometre past the entrance to Site C. The road is now closed just before the entrance to the dam. The Peace River Regional District is asking residents to stay at home and stay away from the slide area because it is still active. Initial assessments saying there's no immediate risk to Fort St. John. BC Hydro says there's no evidence the slide is related to Site C or any of the work that is going on there. In the interior and the Kootenai, early signs of winter already up on higher elevations. A global viewer sending in these images of a little bit of snow that fell on the Surrey Lake Fishing Resort between Merritt and Kamloops. Another viewer sent uh, this in from this is from the Cranbrook Kimberley area today. In the Okanagan, most of the snow was expected to fall on the Okanagan connector. Video from Drive BC shows it started snowing overnight at the Penasca summit and accumulated <clears throat> excuse me, throughout the day. These pictures near Brenda Mines are a good reminder that tomorrow, of course, is October the 1st. That means uh, winter tyres or mountain snowflake tyres are mandatory when driving on BC highways. Here in Metro Vancouver, though... Here in Metro Vancouver, it is not snow, but a lot of rain. That is the weather story. And for that, let's bring in our meteorologist, Yvonne Schall, taking a look at that for us. Yvonne? Thanks, Sonia, and good evening, everyone. A very soggy uh, first weekend of fall for us. We've already seen anywhere between uh, 15 and up to 30 millimeters of rainfall. We can see the higher amounts for Squamish over the last 48 hours. These are unofficial numbers, 34 millimeters, Coquitlam just over 30, Pitt Meadows picking up 25, Airport 16, but out of the harbor, up to 22 millimeters of rainfall. A rainfall warning remains in effect. We'll continue to see these waves of moisture. It'll be heavy at times, especially throughout the day for tomorrow. Tomorrow. And with the rainfall warning, an additional 10 and up to 20 millimeters for most areas. And we'll see a total between 40 and up to 60 millimeters across the south coast before it does start to ease off. We still have snow to talk about for the mountain passes. I'll have more on those amounts coming up shortly. Sonia? All right. Thank you very much for that. Um, in the, back in the news now, more signs tonight that the $40 billion LNG project in Kitimat is going ahead. A major business media outlet reporting this weekend that Royal Dutch Shell and its four partners have agreed to go ahead with the project. Julia Foy reports. On the left of the Kitimat River is where the coastal gas link pipeline brings natural gas into the site for processing. Is the liquefied natural gas pipe dream about to become a reality? Bloomberg thinks so. And that's got temperatures rising for people on both sides of the debate. If this does happen, it will make a lot of people in B.C. happy. Bloomberg is reporting that LNG Canada, which is made up of five major investors, including Royal Dutch Shell, is about to make an announcement that the $40 billion project is a go. Because it's such a big project, the biggest private 
sector investment in Canadian history, it is going to be noticed. The LNG project is planned for the community of Kitimat, and it's expected to generate thousands of jobs for tradespeople and local First Nations groups. Premier John Horgan spoke highly of the project on September 27th. Shell is one of the largest in the world. Their partners in China, Japan, Korea, and, and now Petronas uh, all are takers of gas. They have customers that need gas, uh, so I think that makes it uh, an easier decision. But Green Party leader Andrew Weaver wrote on Twitter Sunday, We've an agreement for the BCNDP to develop a plan to reduce emissions by 40 percent by 2030. The plan hasn't been announced, and if it isn't realistic, the Greens will not support required LNG legislation. Tom Green of the David Suzuki Foundation agrees. The province needs to put in place very strong methane regulations, best in class, and uh, act on that right away. While the official announcement regarding LNG Canada is still to come, energy experts think this could be the silver economic bullet in the NAFTA standoff. Here's an opportunity to definitely put on muscle as an economy, so we should be pursuing it for that reason alone. Julia Foy, Global News. A serious single vehicle crash south of Oliver this morning has killed one person. The crash happened around 6.30 this morning. A car veered off Highway 97. It crashed through a fence and into an outbuilding at the edge of an orchard. The Oliver Fire Department had to use the jaws of life to get the driver out of the car, but he was pronounced dead at the scene. No name has been released. An investigation into that crash is now ongoing. Hundreds gathered in Victoria this afternoon for the 2018 BC Law Enforcement Memorial. Police officers from in and out of the province marching from downtown Victoria to the lawn of the legislature honouring the 125 officers who lost their lives in active service. Two officers from BC being honoured this year, Constable John Davidson of Abbotsford Police, who died in the line of duty last November. The 53-year-old veteran officer was shot and killed. The picture there you're seeing of Victoria Police Constable Ian Jordan, who was involved in a motor vehicle incident in 87 and had been in a coma ever since. He died in April. It's a dark day when we lose a police officer, and this is a dark day like that, and, and it helps us to, to uh, recall that we're really dealing with a grief and a true loss and a, a chance to remember what they really gave up. John Davidson uh, was this neat guy. He uh, was somebody who got angry when he saw injustice. Uh, he's somebody who fought back when he, when he saw kids were at risk. So uh, it's neat to hear kids laughing behind us because that's what John cared about was the kids. Now, starting tomorrow, Airbnb will start collecting provincial sales tax and municipal regional district taxes on its short-term rentals in B.C. The move was announced by the province earlier this year. It is expected to bring in more than $20 million to help fund housing and affordability measures. Airbnb is going to collect the 8% PST and the up to 3% MRDT on accommodations rented by its more than 18,000 hosts in B.C. The money that our hosts are going to be collecting and they will be remitting to the province will be going to affordable housing, which I think is super important. We know housing is a big issue in British Columbia. 
A Whistler pet owner is sharing his story of heartbreak tonight in the hopes it's going to educate others and prevent similar tragedies. His young dog died last month after getting caught in what is a common household item. Kristen Robinson reports. He was only a year and a half. He was super healthy. Alpha Lake Park was Cody Alkerton's dog Oscar's favorite spot. He was an amazing dog. He was super fun, very loving. In mid-August, the French Bulldog's life came to a sudden and heartbreaking end. I lost my best friend because I didn't know. It was easily preventable. After spending an hour away at Crankworks in Whistler, Alkerton and his roommate returned home to find Oscar behind the couch, his head covered with a chip bag. He had like the bag over his head and Robbie's bawling his eyes out. I started crying. I pulled the, like, pulled the bag off and it was like suctioned on. Like It's like a vacuum around their head. The construction worker tried to do CPR before rushing Oscar to the vet, but it was too late. And they were just like, yeah, there was, there's nothing we can do. Like He was already gone. They just suffocate within about three to five minutes, basically. So it's pretty tough. Hey! Although rare, veterinarians say once a dog's head is stuck, the snack bag tightens around their neck as they try to breathe. They um, start breathing on that bag and they um, um, use up all the oxygen and they get no new oxygen supply and then they suffocate from oxygen um, failure. He trusted me like to live in my home, so that's the most difficult part that kind of eats away at you. If you can see that, he's right here. Heartbroken and holding on to his only memories of Oscar, Alkerton hopes his warning will prevent other pets from suffering such a senseless death. I can find the strength to do this because I want to raise awareness so that it doesn't happen to anybody else. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Well, it is down to the wire for Canada in free trade talks tonight. Meetings in both Washington and Ottawa. It looks like everybody is working on a last-minute push towards a three-way deal with the U.S. and Mexico. We can bring in Global Ottawa Bureau Chief Mercedes Stevenson now, who is in Ottawa uh, tonight. Mercedes, what is the latest? Uh, a frantic last-minute push as we tick towards that midnight deadline Eastern time. So we are under three hours from the deadline for a NAFTA deal for the text to be sent to Congress and approved. And while the Canadian government has insisted, even in an interview with us earlier today, that they are not negotiating on a deadline, their actions tell a very different story. We've been outside the Prime Minister's office all day. He went in uh, not long ago this evening, and we've just found out that he has called a 10 p.m. cabinet meeting. That is highly unusual. He's asking for every minister who is in town to be there and for those who aren't to call in. Senior sources I've been speaking to say there's no deal at this time, but there is progress and they're using terms like uh, a deal is near or possibly soon. I haven't heard them that optimistic that it was going to move on a timeline before. Now, of course, it could come tomorrow as well. But here's an interesting political dynamic for you. The Quebec election is tomorrow. And if there's a deal tonight and they make concessions on dairy, which is what we're expecting, if there is a deal, that won't go well for the Liberals in Quebec, who have vowed to protect supply management no matter what. Uh, so that's where we're at at this point. Certainly, it seems like they are uh, putting in absolutely everything they have to get a deal by the day. Deadline. Whether or not that will happen remains to be seen, but we'll keep a close eye on it for you. We absolutely will. Mercedes Stevenson, thank you very much for the update there. You're welcome.
In other news, uh, U.S. President Donald Trump has come out saying the FBI has free reign in the Brett Kavanaugh investigation. It's all on the heels of accusations by the Democrats who say the probe into Supreme Court nominee is limited in scope and that the White House is meddling. Kelly O'Donnell has the latest. With a Friday deadline looming over the FBI's relaunch background check on Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh, today the president's team claimed to be keeping its distance. The White House isn't intervening. We're not micromanaging this process. Careful to emphasize the FBI's work on Kavanaugh is not a criminal probe. It's not meant to be a fishing expedition. The FBI is not tasked with doing that here. Officials tell NBC News the FBI has not received new direction today that would alter the original scope of the background check, which is currently focused on only two allegations made against Kavanaugh. Today, sources close to Christine Blasey Ford say her legal team has not yet been contacted by the FBI after her wrenching public testimony Thursday. Brett groped me and tried to take off my clothes. But the FBI has already contacted Kavanaugh's college-era accuser, Deborah Ramirez, according to her lawyer, who says she will cooperate. Kavanaugh categorically denies any misconduct. I am innocent. Today, Democrats raised doubts about the investigation itself. Finally, we're going to get one. And the question is, are we going to get the kind of investigation that is thorough and fair? It was right. a good moment. Uh, when we got that reopened, but now it's going to be on him to make sure this is a credible investigation. This afternoon, the president pushed back, tweeting in part, the Democrats are starting to put out the word that the time and scope is not enough. For them, it will never be enough. The official death toll in Indonesia following Friday's earthquake and tsunami has now gone past 830 people. Officials are saying it could still go much higher. Rescuers now struggling to reach survivors and victims in the quake zone. Aid now being rushed in to help victims of the disaster. The devastation is vast. Rubble, twisted cars and debris. And in the scramble to find survivors, rescuers are using their hands to search because there isn't enough heavy equipment. It's unclear how many people are trapped or were pulled out to sea, but the number of dead here is surging. The walls started falling around us, says this woman, who escaped a shopping mall before it collapsed. The injured are being evacuated by military plane as disaster officials here struggle to cope. The destruction on the coast in Palu is only part of it. Areas closer to the quake's epicenter are still cut off. What has happened to over a quarter million people there, unknown. The bridges and the roads are damaged to get in. It's very, very difficult. The island was struck by two powerful disasters. Though the tsunami took experts by surprise. In this video, a man is shouting to people that it's coming. Then the wall of water. It's unusual for an earthquake which generates a tsunami to be so close to land, so the shaking destroys towns and buildings. It was a double whammy. With more than 200 aftershocks recorded so far, thousands are sleeping outside. Disease is a growing worry. Food, fuel, fresh water in short supply, and looters are stealing whatever's left. But the desperate concern for most survivors is finding relatives and friends who are missing, checking hospitals and makeshift morgues that line the streets. 
More than 50 people have been left hurt as a typhoon swept across southwestern Japan today. Some people getting trapped in a parkade in Okinawa as heavy wind and rain lashed the island. Streets were also left flooded. The storm then moving on to mainland Japan, where authorities have been warning about torrential rainfall and possible landslides. Many flights were cancelled at airports throughout the country. It's forecast to hit areas of Japan that were devastated by another typhoon earlier this month. We are also getting a close-up look at the commercial plane that crash-landed in a Pacific lagoon in Micronesia on Friday. The U.S. Department of Defense has released this video of Navy sailors carrying out a sweep of the partially submerged aircraft. The Air New Guinea flight crashed into the water while trying to land at a nearby airport. The airline initially said all 47 passengers and crew did make it out of the plane. They're now saying one man is still missing. All right. We'll get back to the news in a short while. Barry and Yvonne, of course, are here. We'll start with the weather picture first of all, because it feels like it didn't stop raining today at all. (laughs) It felt like we went from summer to fall and winter in a matter of uh, seconds. I know, it's crazy. Very quickly, yes. Uh, Rain was heavy at times today. I showed you at the top of the show that we've already seen anywhere between uh, 15 and up to 30 millimeters. A glance and a reminder, if you're heading along the mountain passes uh, starting tomorrow, we are going to see that you need your winter tires. Can we just pull up the WSI real quick in the control room? Just so we have a reminder for everyone. If not, there we go. Winter driving conditions will uh, kick up for tomorrow. You must have your winter tires in at least 3.5 millimeters of thread depth. This is very important. Uh, we've got snow on the mountain passes. I'll have those amounts, and I'll show you the winter tire routes coming up very shortly. All right. Okay. See, so yeah. got good commanding voice there. Then listen straight away. <laughs> the director <laughs> listens to you, not to me. Arnold, thank you. <laughs> All right. What's happening in sports today? Well, the uh, Seahawks uh, were down in Arizona. They don't need any snow tires down there, that's for sure. Uh, A game they should have won easily. They won barely on the last play of the uh, game. So we'll have highlights of that coming up. And in the Ryder Cup, it was all Europe taking on the Americans. The Americans haven't won uh, a Ryder Cup on European soil since the early 90s. It's been a while. Wow. Don't do too well on the road. Okay. So I didn't get that that long. Yes, it's been a while. That's been a long we were time. Just, Vaughn was just a, just a child. <laughs> Welcome back. Well, the biggest cruise ship in the world docked at Canada Place early this morning. It's one of the few times of the year such a huge vessel can actually get into Vancouver. That is because the tides are low enough. That has now prompted renewed calls to build a second terminal. Our Grace Key went on board. It's the largest cruise ship ever to come through the port of Vancouver. The Norwegian Bliss made its way into the city at about 4.30 in the morning. That's when the tide is low and it's the only way these large ships can get under the Lionsgate Bridge. On low water, where we came in this morning, uh, the, the clearance between the funnel, which is the highest part of the ship, up to the bridge is between three and four meters. It's not an ideal situation for cruise ships when they're trying to stick with an itinerary. We have to be under the uh, bridge around five o'clock tomorrow morning. We would like to leave this evening, but we cannot because we cannot sail under the bridge. The Norwegian Bliss can accommodate nearly 6,000 people. It's 333 meters in length, has 20 decks, an aqua park and go-karts boasting the largest racetrack at sea. When it comes to the cruise ship industry, the bigger the better, with more and more activities. 20 years ago, there were virtually no cruises originating from Seattle to Alaska. Vancouver had all of the market. Today, 
there are more passengers getting on board ships in Seattle and going to Alaska than there are from Vancouver. In 2014, Ballantyne Pier was shut down, leaving Canada Place as Vancouver's only cruise ship terminal. The big event for the year is the arrival of the Bliss. Seattle, on the other hand, they recently unveiled a $30 million renovation made to accommodate the Bliss, with the Port of Seattle and Norwegian Cruise Line putting in $15 million each. The industry would like to see all levels of government here push forward with the second terminal. We have to do whatever we can to plan for the future demand. And so we're currently um, working on what that's going to look like. Each cruise ship call generates nearly $3 million in direct economic activity. Next year, the Bliss will be in Seattle, its home port, 21 times. Vancouver, two. Grace Key, Global News. All right, welcome back. Well, thousands running this morning for friends and loved ones battling breast cancer in the annual CIBC run for the cure. Yeah, it was pouring down at the time, but the rain did not stop these guys from taking part in the 5K or 1K walk in downtown Vancouver. Seven other runs were also held across BC today in support of breast cancer awareness and research. Since 1992, the cross-country run has raised more than $430 million for the cause. It's a, a gathering of community support. Um, we have a tremendous amount of survivors. The survivor rate has increased 20% since the 1980s. And every year we're seeing more and more pink shirts, more people standing up and saying that I have survived breast cancer. And each and every year those numbers continue to grow. And that's the whole reason why we're here, is to bring that community together to show the support for the survivors and for those that are on a cancer journey. Let's show you what was happening over on the North Shore. Hundreds heading up the grouse grind this morning for this year's climb for Alzheimer's. Those who weren't quite up for the challenge took the gondola up to the top for a special walk. More than $100,000 was raised for the cause. About 70,000 people in BC live with Alzheimer's. Well, I know that a lot of the people that are here today at this event uh, have friends and family members who are living with Alzheimer's. And they are here to show their support for their friends and family. And rain is not going to stop them. I am thrilled to see such a wonderful turnout today. I think that this really shows the spirit of our community and that this really shows the spirit of people wanting to support people living with Alzheimer's and dementia. I always hope for a good day, don't you, Yvonne? When you set up these events, they're in the calendar. But, you know, I love um, how they just get out there and do it anyway. Yeah, and what a difference a day makes because yesterday yeah. was much drier. Today it rained, so congratulations to everyone out who was out there and for a good cause. Our tower cam right now, it looks like pea soup out there. It'll continue to be very wet this evening and for the morning commute tomorrow when you're heading out for work or school. Temperatures right now sitting at 13 with a southeasterly wind at 24 kilometres per hour. And that's our high today. Still below the average for this time of the year that typically sits closer to 17 degrees. Rainfall right now, the heaviest uh, wave is pushing its way in. Eastern sections for Abbotsford, Mission and Chilliwack and stretching in towards Hope, but it's still light for areas across the island and this will be the weather picture that will take us in towards the morning hours. A few warnings that are in effect uh, for the Kootenays, Yoho Park 
20 and up to 30 centimeters of snowfall continuing to fall all the way in towards your Tuesday. The Chicolton region up to 10 centimeters of snowfall and most areas from Metro Vancouver and Howe Sound. The green showing us a rainfall warning between 40 and up to 60 millimeters will be the total. So it's additional 10 and up to 20 millimeters for this evening and tomorrow morning. Special weather statement for the following areas that are in gray. We've got snow along the mountain passes, most seeing that range between 2 and up to 4 centimeters for the connector, Coquihalla, Highway 3 and Highway 97. Higher amounts will be along the Rogers Pass, ranging between 5 and up to 10 centimeters. And with the the precipitation that's pushing in, cooler temperatures and the snow level anywhere between 1,200 to 1,400 meters. So snowfall, a reminder once again, these are the winter tri- tire driving routes that are indicated in the pink or fuchsia color. We can see that along the island and for the interior passes as well. So mandatory starting tomorrow. For the piece, your three-day forecast, snow continuing two and up to four centimeters by tomorrow, paired with windy conditions north, northerly with gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour. A nice break will be on the way throughout the day on Tuesday with flurries redeveloping by the evening. Whitehorse sunny and dry over the next three days. A southerly wind tomorrow at 20 kilometers per hour. Coastal sections will see uh, anywhere between 15, 12 and up to 15 Let's come back to me. Here we go. Hi, there we are. Okay, all right. Caribou and Central Interior, uh, mainly cloudy sky. Temperatures will be sitting at 4 degrees. Most areas for the Columbia and Kootenai region tomorrow, mainly cloudy sky with the chance of showers. Tuesday, we are looking at a high of 11 degrees. The Thompson Okanagan will be up to 12 degrees with on and off showers for Tuesday. Whistler up to 10 degrees and its areas near House Sound. That's where we're seeing the rainfall warning and right across uh, the island. Rain heavy at times over the next two days. Temperatures for Victoria tomorrow up to 15 degrees. Five-day forecast, so be prepared for tomorrow morning to commute very wet and soggy out on the roadways. Dress, grab that umbrella. We'll be at 15 for tomorrow. Still seeing some rainfall for Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, we'll start to see some breaks, but likely midweek. Sonia? All right. I think we were giving a bit of a, a few of our tricks away there. A preview, there. a little preview. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Okay. Um, False Creek, let's talk about the residents there. They were celebrating the opening of a new pop-up community park this weekend. Uh, Concord Pacific's latest neighborhood park is now open for fun in northeast False Creek. Uh, some daring souls braving the weather today to take part in uh, the festivities that included music, children's entertainment. There's a bit of a barbecue going on there. There was uh, some yoga there as well. Uh, the temporary space is the result of a collaboration between the False Creek Residents Association and the development company. A lot of people have been talking about Saturday Night Live. That kicked off its 44th season premiere last night with a sketch a lot of people could have predicted. But it's a starring role courtesy of a surprise appearance of actor Matt Damon. Worked my butt off to get here. I busted my buns. I lifted weights. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) Tobin. BJ. And squeak. And donkey dong dog. And yeah, we had, a, we had a couple thousand beers along the way. Especially my good friend, Mark Judge, who can't remember huge chunks of his life, but is somehow my key witness. So am I angry? You're damn right. But if you think I'm angry now, you just wait till I get on that Supreme Court, because then you're all going to pay. Give me a can of water. Oh, 
right, let's catch up with all your sport now with Barry. Start with those uh, Seahawks, Sonia. I know it's by request from you, so we're going to do it for sure. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, if the Seahawks are going to get to nine or ten wins this year and sneak into the playoffs, they absolutely have to beat the bad teams like the Arizona Cardinals, and they get them twice because they're in the same division. The Cards are in total rebuild mode and had scored all of 20 points in their first three games. Even on the road today, it should have been an easy Seahawks win, but shockingly, it didn't go that way. Russell Wilson, 100th consecutive start at quarterback. Amazing considering how many times he's been sacked over those six-plus seasons. Good start, first quarter. Mike Davis, 20-yard touchdown run. He went over 100 today. The Seattle running game, that's back-to-back weeks. They've gone over 100. They led 7-0. Russell Wilson leading the blocking charge. Seattle missed a couple of field goals. Arizona got a touchdown. David Johnson just across the line. So 10-7, Cardinals at the half. Close ball game, third quarter. Hawks regain the lead. Russell will find... David Moore, one of his new young receivers. It's a 30-yard gain, and that will lead to this short touchdown run by Davis, his second score of the game, 17-10 Seattle. But the cards tie it in the fourth. Rookie quarterback Josh Rosen, plenty of time, hits Chad Williams for the touchdown, ties it at 17. But the big news on that play, Earl Thomas clips his leg right there, and... You may have saw that one leg flapping. He broke his leg, and he is gone for the year, a free agent next year. So that's his last game as a Seahawk. After the Cards missed a field goal, Sebastian Janikowski, who'd missed two earlier, wins it with a 52-yarder. Awkward, but effective for the Hawks. They win 2017. They're now 2-2. Two and two. They host the 4-0 Rams next week, and that will be a very tough game. Bucks and Bears from Chicago. And another impressive display by a young NFL quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. The Bears' first-round pick from 2017 going 39 yards to Trey Burton. 7-0 Bears. One of uh, his two first-quarter touchdown passes for Trubisky in the second. Three more touchdown passes. This one to Josh Bellamy. And the Bears were off to the races in the third. Trubisky will find Taylor Gabriel for his sixth touchdown pass of the game, one short of the franchise and NFL record, 48-10 Bears in a romp. They are now 3-1 on the season. Cleveland Browns looking for back-to-back wins after snapping their long winless streak 10 days ago. Rookie quarterback Baker Mayfield, first overall pick in the draft this past April. Touchdown strike to Darren Fells on the 49-yarders, 17-7 Browns. Jump to the fourth, Cleveland by one. Nick Chubb takes the handoff, breaks a tackle, and then goes 41 yards for the TD. Browns had an eight-point lead but couldn't hold it as the Raiders tied it late, sending it to overtime. Second overtime game for the Browns. And in OT, it's the Raiders and their rookie kicker, Matt McCrane. He missed twice already today, but not this time. Raiders take it 45-42. Browns dropped to 1-2-1, and one, but much improved, 45-42 the final. CFL today, Johnny Manziel and the Alouettes hosting the Rough Riders. Second quarter, some razzle-dazzle, and Manziel is going to heave it to a wide-open Adarius Bowman, a 47-yard touchdown pass, the first regular season CFL TD pass for Johnny Football. You can see he is improving every game. 14-13 Owls, third quarter, Saskatchewan on the 
drive at Zach Caleros to Jordan Williams Lambert initially ruled a touchdown. They reviewed it. They said he was just short, but they would punch it in anyway. A play later, 31-17 Saskatchewan. Manziel then with a second TD pass in the fourth to Ernest Jackson, the former Lion. But Montreal falls short, 34-29. Riders now 9-5, a solid second in the West. Welcome back. America's Ryder Cup losing streak on European soil is now up to six. The last time the USA won in Europe was 1993 when Raymond Floyd led the way. Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth were literally babies just a few months old. It's been 25 years and the Americans still can't get it figured out. They had absolutely no answers today for a European team that outplayed them all over the golf course. The crowd support has been impressive to say the least. Passionate fans have been Hacking the golf course in uh, France, but respectful as well, which you don't always get in the USA at Ryder Cups. Promising start for the Americans. They won three of the first five, including Justin Thomas beating Rory McIlroy. Thomas was the best of the Americans, going 4-1 this week. Tiger had a miserable week, went 0-4. He's now 0-7-1 in his last eight Ryder Cup matches. For whatever reason, Tiger just fails to perform at the Ryder Cup. John Rahm took him down 2-1. That match got Europe back on track, and you can see the emotion from the European players. Ian Poulter, speaking of emotion, Ryder Cup stalwart for Europe, nerves of steel, delivers another point. Took down Dustin Johnson, the world number one. DJ just one and three this week. Torborn Olison had only played one match in the previous two days, but beat Jordan Spieth badly. Five and four, Spieth 0 oh and six in Ryder and President's Cup singles play. Francesco Molinari was the star for the Euros. Did he miss a shot this week? Takes a huge lead on Phil Mickelson. More from the Italian Stallion in a moment. Henrik Stenson, another clutch performer, throttled Bubba Watson 5-4. and four. Europe was just too good from top to bottom. Sergio Garcia, captain's pick, delivered yet again for Europe in his ninth Ryder Cup. Beat Ricky Fowler 2-1 to become the all-time leader in Ryder Cup history with 25 and a half points, passing Sir Nick Faldo. Back to Mickelson and Molinari, their match in Ryder Cup coming to an end on 16 as Phil is in the drink. His 12th Ryder Cup ending with a dubious record. That's his 22nd Ryder Cup loss. Concedes the hole to Molinari and that clinches the Ryder Cup for Europe. And the party was on as Molinari gets mobbed by the passionate fans in uh, France. 36-year-old Ryder Cup rookie Alexander Noren then adding an exclamation point. For birdie on 18 to win, to beat DeChambeau, and what a way to finish things off for Europe as they win at 17.5 to 10.5, sixth straight Ryder Cup on home soil. Sergio has now won six times in nine Ryder Cup tournaments, and he sums up why Europe seems to always rise to the occasion. There's nothing like it. You know, there's, there's no other week where you open up your, your chest to, to all your to guys that you're playing against week in, week out, and, and that's what we all do this week. And, you know, we fight as hard as we can for each one of us, and... Uh, Well, Travis Green still has a couple of more cuts to make before Wednesday's season opener against the Flames. Those on the bubble appear to be Tyler Mott, Darren Archibald, Nikolai Goldobin, and Brendan Leipzig. Two of those four 
will likely get sent to the minors barring an injury to a regular that we don't know about. Canucks concluded their preseason in Kelowna last night against Arizona. Canucks just nine goals in their previous six and struggling again, although Elias Pettersson, one-timer off the post on a five-on-three, he's been their best player. The 19-year-old Swede has been in the preseason. Coyotes on the power play. They will score. Derek Stepan with the wrister. Went off good. Branson in front. No chance for Markstrom. 2-0 Arizona after one. Canucks finally got a goal, snapping a 150-minute drought. It's Goldobin who scores. That could help his cause. 4-1 the final. Canucks 1-6 in the preseason. Outscored 30-10. They open the regular season Wednesday at home to the Flames. Western Hockey League this afternoon. Vancouver Giants scored late and then won it in a shootout. 5-4 over Spokane. So the Giants now 3-1 this season. The Whitecaps playoff picture kind of looks like that. Pretty murky after last night's game in L.A. Just three minutes in, Marcel de Jong trips up an L.A. forward in the box. Bit of a clumsy challenge there. Penalty awarded. And Zlatan Ibrahimovic from the spot. No problems for Zlatan from there. 1-0 Galaxy in front. Not the start. Whitecaps interim coach Craig Dalrymple was dreaming about, and uh, really, after that, the Whitecaps were pretty much done in the second half. More from Zlatan showing his talents, dekes out Ali Ghazal, and then rips it past Stefan Marinovic. He's got to start making some saves that the Whitecaps are going to win. 3-0 the final. Caps just four left to play, six points out of the final playoff spot. Visit Toronto FC next Saturday. And the baseball regular season ended today. But there's going to be two tiebreakers required in the National League tomorrow to determine division champions. Oh, I guess we don't have that up there. We can tell you the Brewers and Cubs are going to play. Dodgers and Rockies are going to meet. The winners will clinch the division. The losers have to play a one-game wild card game on Tuesday. All right. Not sure if you took your pet to church today, <laughs> but quite a few people did. Take a look at this. Is it okay to give Cody a treat? Okay. Cody, we thank you for revealing a part of God's creation in your yeah, this is the annual pet blessing at St. John's Shaughnessy Anglican Church. More than a dozen pooches were brought in by the parishioners to take part in Sunday Mass. They also got a special treat from the priest. I think that it gives them, the, it will, might give them the strength to pull through with, if they have anything wrong yeah. with them, yeah. anything can help. And this was just a lovely thing. People really love to do this. They love to bring their pets and to celebrate them in, in their lives. And really, uh, to, to, from our end anyway, certainly give thanks to God for, for the presence of these pets in, in their lives. So we have a special church service. Uh, it's re related to St. Francis Day. And we, we now make it an annual event where, where they're invited to bring their pets. And we have this wonderful celebration of, of blessing them and celebrating them in their lives. Okay. Oh, very sweet. I'm glad all the dogs were very, very well behaved. Yeah. It could That's right. get a bit nuts in there. Right? The <laughs> they start birds. chasing around. Yeah, chasing the priest. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> um, all right, just a final word on the weather then. It's been raining all day, and is it set to continue? Yeah, yeah, so anywhere between an additional 10 and up to 20 millimeters of rainfall. So be prepared for a wet commute. And if you're heading out to work and school for the morning hours tomorrow, Temperature still remaining cool over the next five days. A Tuesday, still seeing some on and off showers, and a break from the rain should come on Wednesday and leading into Thursday. All right, thanks very much for watching. We'll see you back here tonight at 11. Have a great evening.